Australia. How you going? That's right, it's NBA Australia. It's Monday. Oh, geez, just another Monday. October 18. And I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes. Rolling Stone, Triple J, Junkie. Whoever else wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff, that booze money. And I'm here. In lockdown, Larry Armour Studios. Not locked down for much longer, brother. Yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, you still got to wear your mask outside, though, man. <laughs> Fuck off. Anyway, I'm here hanging out, giving you the lowdown, all the ins and outs of the NBA preseason. We're almost there. We're almost there, folks. That's what we do here in NBA Australia. We keep you informed, but we're not nerds about it, are we? No, we're not. So, look, the season is here in less than two days, so this is going to be our final preview show because on Wednesday we'll have games to talk about, you little ripper. So we've got all the good stuff today. The over-under win totals for everyone. That's going to be awesome. Our award picks. Who's going to win the MVP, Jimmy? Well, you better listen and find out. And our NBA finals pick. That's going to be pretty good. And uh, we'll do a few yeah nahs. We'll do an unpopular opinion of the day. We'll do an Outback Takeout. And obviously, with games on Wednesday and no show tomorrow, uh, we'll do our first two game previews. What? Can you believe it? We're here already. Jeez. <laughs> Not much of an off-season, I'll tell you that much. All right. That'll be it. We'll finish off with the review as well, but it's a secret special one. You have to wait to the end. That'll be fun. Anyway, let's get to it. NBA Star episode 680. Let's go. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Ah, you better. You better watch out for the karma attack. I reckon if you're the Houston Rockets for cutting our beloved Dante Sexton, the Seabrook sensation. Jeez, we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, let's start today's show the way we start every show here in NBA Show with a daily whip around. Boom, opening week is here. Yeah, it's here. It's actually happening this week. Unbelievable scenes. I can't believe it's going to be October 20 in two days' time. <laughs> Jesus, where's the year gone? Oh, well, Jimmy, you've see, you see, you've spent most of it in lockdown, so you haven't been able to go to the pub, you haven't been able to go to any gigs, and you haven't been able to go to any basketball. So you, your year's been a bit fucked, mate. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, opening night, or as it is in Australia, opening morning, uh, Brooklyn at Milwaukee. Now here's Algonquin for the good land. Warriors at Lakers. It's a rip snorter of a first week as well because we've got Celtics, Knicks, Nuggets, Suns. Suns in four. Suns in four. Right after on uh, was that Thursday? Yeah, you got Dallas, Atlanta, you got Clippers, Warriors, you got Nets, Sixers, Suns, Lakers. There's a lot of great games this week. I can't wait. Anyway, let's wrap up the preseason though very very quickly for the Aussies with Rockham, Sockham, Jockham, Blockham, Landau uh, skipping the last couple of games for the San Antonio Banderas Spurs with these uh, concussion protocols. After copping a whack in the nose, he wasn't too bad coming off the bench for the Spurs prior to that against the Yaz, the uh, Pistons, and the Hooters. What do you have? Like 8, 6, and 3, 4, 2, 4, 5, 3, 2. Not too bad. Uh, giddy up! The Mop Top Mumba. Absolutely stellar preseason. 13, 9, and 8 in the last game to the uh, the loss to the Nuggets. And he had 14, 6, and 3 in the game before that. I think the best part uh, of watching Giddy. So far in preseason, is the shot is looking very nice, and 
The court vision is just off the fucking chain, isn't it? The passes, the scoops. Ah, it's all going on. I've already got my giddy jersey. I'm all locked in. Are you? Giddy up. Uh, Josh Greeny. Greeny's out there dunking on everyone. He had 7-3-2 versus the Bucks in the finale for the Mavs. And in their like, wild 127-59 blowout of Charlotte, he got out there for 14 minutes. Jason Kidd, you're fucking killing me. One of five in 14 minutes for Greeny. Uh, Matty T played his one game against Toronto, then he set out the rest of the preseason with a shoulder. I think he should be all right. It doesn't seem like it's massively, massively a problem. Uh, he's out there doing some sort of uh, individual stuff. Hopefully Matty T's all right for the start of the season. Patty thrills, Patty Mills. Uh, for all the talk about Kyrie... Obviously not being on the Nets. And we're obviously going to get to that again. He and his stupid fucking Instagram live video. Uh, but Paddy, it really does feel like after all the preseason, uh, you know, acclimatizing to a new team, his first new team in basically a decade, he's out there playing 21 minutes of the bench, 21 minutes of the bench, 20 minutes of the bench. All the talk of Paddy maybe being a bit of a starter, overblown. It was always going to go this way. It just basically meant that the Nets could keep Paddy coming off the bench and then they don't have any sort of squeeze uh, with the Harden. Basically, Harden's going to play point guard anyway, right? We all understand that. And then they get to roll out just that extra tiny little bit of extra size uh, if and they feel like it by getting Thrillsap out there next to Nicky Claxton or Aldridge or uh, your man Blake Griffin. Uh, basically playing Joe Harrison Harden as your backcourt and then having the sort of supersized lineups of like Millsap, Durant, Aldridge, Griffin, etc., which is kind of gnarly and kind of cool. So I wouldn't expect Patty to start. It's going to be interesting to see how his role evolves throughout the year as well with Cam Thomas as well, just out there crushing it. Javion Carter showing up, doing not too badly as well. So look, Patty's going to be fine. I'm just saying, sixth man of the year. Jingles rested. He basically played one game in the preseason because uh, I believe Quinn Snyder couldn't put DNP old on the reasons for him not playing, but it was just rest, <laughs> which is good. And then, of course, the big Aussie news this week, the Houston Rockets just made the list by cutting our beloved Dante Sexton, Kangaroo Kobe. He was waived. Now, this is one of those things where we kind of saw it coming. The Rockets signed Armoni Brooks. So another one of their weird, fucky, non-guaranteed contracts. Uh, but the first year of his, I believe, was guaranteed, which left the Rockets at 15 guaranteed contracts. And Dante's weird three-year one uh, was only guaranteed. The $2.5 of the first year was only guaranteed if he actually made the team. So the decision after basically not being able to trade John Wall or DJ Augustine was to go, all right, Dante, on your bike. And... Here we are. Much, much poorer for it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that sucks. I'm still so angry. How angry are you? Anyway, uh, look, roster spots do crop up throughout the year, so I think he'll be fine as long as he can prove that he stays injury-free. Uh, he'll be all right, and uh, he'll pop up somewhere else. We'll talk about that later in the show. And obviously, Ben Simmons is the big one. Ben Simmons rocks back up to Philly without telling anyone. Does all his uh, testing for his COVID. And is now back practicing with the team. What? I know, right? Isn't that fucking gold? I love it. Uh, but the Sixers were out there going, yeah, he was an active participant in practice. Doc Rivers is basically like, look, oh, I reckon he'll play. <laughs> uh, but the overall conditioning, because it, it might be 
He is saying that Simmons is uh, not quite game ready, and he says he's when he's ready he'll play, which to me says that Ben Simmons is going to fake an injury in the next four days. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Uh, But the really crazy part in the last couple of days about Ben Simmons is about the uh, sheer lack of communication, the sheer lack of direction seemingly coming from the Simmons camp. And then, of course, some absolute belters in the article by by the great, great Ramona Shelbourne, uh, who's pretty tapped into all things Lakers and obviously Rich Paul, etc. And there's some fascinating little anecdotes in there about how the stuff about his sister and half-brother and the accusations she made about him and how that affected him throughout last year and how basically there was a cone of silence about all of that. He didn't speak about it. He wasn't going to. And that was a weird sort of moment. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess the fact that he didn't say anything about it, but people close to him are saying that, yes, it could have had an impact. Remains a bit of a question mark, but of course, if something that big is going on in your family life, we talked about this on the show all the way through last year. As soon as the allegations arose, yeah, the fact that Simo actually sort of kept plugging along was a bit fucking weird. But here we are now, and it's like, oh yeah, his headspace might have been a bit fucked up, eh? But then the other one was how uh, a couple of other unnamed sources maybe sort of threw him under the bus a little bit more about how he may have faked, faked rather, a COVID contact before Game 7 against the Hawks, so he'd be forced to miss it. But his tests came back and he still played. And basically, he was trying seemingly, reportedly, allegedly, these people were thinking that maybe he was cowarding out by pretending to have seen one of the Sixers staffers who was then deemed a close contact and a COVID risk. Everyone's like, what? No one saw her that day. And Simmons was like, no, I did. Oh, does that mean I have to go into ISO? Fuck, that'd be bad, wouldn't it? (laughs) Wow! I was reading that jaw-fucking-agape going, wow. Jeez. So there's some uh, pretty interesting things leveled at Simo in that one. Of course, Ramona is like not saying that that's what happened, that that was his plan. But it does seem like a couple of other teammates are like, what? Really? Okay, interesting. But either way, look, it still remains to be seen whether or not he suits up this week. It would be fucking hilarious, and I've said it from the very start. I would love to see Ben back on the Sixers because it's the funniest outcome. Like, there's nothing funny about him. Well, look, it's funny if he gets traded to Cleveland because guess what? Cleveland! You're stuck in Cleveland. But otherwise, like, it's like, oh, cool, he got sent to Sacramento. That's kind of funny because it sucks. Moving on. <laughs> Whereas this way, it becomes a constant source of hilarity to at least me. And who fucking knows? I still think it'd be awesome if they patched it up, got it all rolling back together, and then won the title. I think that'd be the funniest outcome. Uh, and then obviously Kyrie, the last Aussie. <laughs> hey, man, you've got to put Aussie in my bio because I was born in Australia. Hey, do you want to play for Australia? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck you then, NBA Kanye. Uh, So NBA Kanye goes on IG Live to babble incoherently for 24, 26 minutes or whatever it was. Just absolute fucking word salad of bullshittery and complete and utter dumb fuckery about 
Hey man, it's my choice and I can't believe you don't respect that and my decisions about that and like, hey, I'm on both sides, man. Like, why don't people get it and the media won't tell you, man, about, like, how I'm on both sides and all respect to everybody. But, look, I don't respect anyone. Like, what are you talking about? I love that he spent 26 minutes going, hey, man, no one respects my decisions without once actually explaining his decisions in the fucking least. Oh, nah, it's about the mandates, man, and how people are losing their jobs. Hey, Kyrie, how many people have lost their jobs because of vaccine mandates, you fuck knuckle? Or are they just morons who are like, oh, I don't want to get the vaccine? It's like, well, you could very easily get it and keep your job, you dipshit. <laughs> Kyrie is the dumbest motherfucker going right now because he's sitting there going, well, I'm a voice for the voiceless. And that voice just keeps streaming incoherent bullshit into the ether and pretending like he's smart. What are you talking about? Oh man, yeah, it's pretty. Oh, I've got to, you know, I just want, I just want to talk about the discourse, and like, I'm just asking questions. How about you speak to Carl Anthony Towns, you fuck knuckle? Anyway, look, we, he's a he's a giant fuckwit. He's contra- a contrarian without a cause, and I'm just pissed because I've explained this a couple of times. I fucking love watching Kyrie play, and you know what I love most if you listen to this show, a. Fucking chaos. It's always fun. Kyrie's a bit of that. But what I hate is dumb fuckery. I do love beautiful basketball. I love every team involved in the NBA playing up to their absolute highest ability. And it's frustrating when you see a team like the Nets where they hit just insane heights with KD and Harden last year. And now they've got an even better surrounding crew. And Kyrie's just like, nah, just, I don't know. He's fucked over his team. He's fucked over his uh, teammates. And I think NBA Kanye is just so fucking incoherent in the way he explains himself and explains his reasoning that fuck him. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's railing at some shit that he doesn't understand. And I'm done giving a fuck. So (laughs) fuck off, idiot. Michael Bridges! He got a four-year, $80 million extension from Phoenix. Uh, We're basically... It's pretty fun doing a show where uh, in the next 24 hours we'll find out who else gets an extension from that draft class. The DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson Jr., the Sex Man, Miles Bridges, Kevin fucking Huda and co. Uh, players out there in that draft, the 20, was it 18? Uh, 2018 draft, basically going, well, how much money can I make? And then. Their team's going, well, in the case of Michael Bridges, $80 million for four years as an extension. Uh, cool. Wendell! Wendell Carter Jr. got one as well from the Orlando Magic. Man, four years, $50 million, which it feels like very much one of the better, better contract extensions you'll see because four years, $50 million bucks for what Wendell could be, could conceivably be... Like, that's very cheap. Jimmy, 50 million bucks for four years is not cheap. Yeah, well, in context of the NBA, of course it is. And if he finally shows out and shows up, like, that'd be awesome. And that'd be a fucking home run for Orlando. The thing is, when it comes to Wendell, when you do watch him play, you're like, does this guy like playing basketball? Like, we understand that Kyrie very, very clearly loves the process, the purity of playing basketball. He also just doesn't want to play basketball because he's a fuckwit. 
oh man, you got to respect my decision. I don't have to respect shit. I can call you a fuckwit. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with me, you idiot. Anyway, uh, but Wendell looks like he understands the concept of basketball, but when he's out on the court, he's like, oh, I guess I should. Oh, fuck. They've already scored. <laughs> Just a step. Sorry, look, maybe that Orlando development crew will uh, sort him out and he'll get it a little bit better. But this is a great contract to see if his pretty interesting sort of talent can uh, round up and sh- take shape. So it's kind of fun. Some other teams, uh, look, we've got cuts, but players are actually made it. Pretty interesting names out there. For So we lose Dante Exxon from the Rockets, obviously, but... In terms of some of the teams that kept dudes, I found some of those ones were pretty uh, wild because we got basically like Isaiah oh, Hartenstein, hello. But like Stanley Johnson didn't make a roster, which is crazy to think about. But anyway, uh, who else? We had, as mentioned, you know, Isaiah oh, Hartenstein sticking with the Clippers, Wayne Seldon sticking with the Knicks, Matt Thomas, not the one from uh, the Mavises. Uh, sticking with Chicago, Brad Wanamaker, aka the Sydney Kings, going, oh, we'll, we'll have a couple of makers, what do you reckon? Uh, sticking with Indy, and I don't know, like, it's pretty crazy to think about, like, Hartenstein, Seldon, Dennis Smith Jr. sticking with Portland. You're there from a training camp contract, and you stick through, and good on him. Uh, so it's kind of handy, but the cuts, Dante Exum, obviously, as I kind of hit, the fact that they signed Armani Brooks to his weird guaranteed fucking contract kills me. But other cuts were like Brandon Knight, Jalil Okafor, Lucas Samanich. We had those two last week. Chris Dunn, the Celtics wave, Jabari Parker, Marquise Chris is gone, Patrick Patterson, two pats, Harry Giles, Avery Bradley, Gary Payton, two, Junior, Michael Mulder, where's Scully? And Jordan Bell also waved, Tyrell Terry. Oh, but bro, I thought Tyrell Terry was like a lottery pick, eh? Isn't that right, KOC? Uh, Stanley Johnson, I mentioned that, Chicago. Dropping Stanley Johnson. And it's kind of weird because that's a lot of uh, high-end draft picks over the last five years that are now without a job, including Dante, including Jalil, including Chris Dunn, Jabari. That's a lot of really, really high draft picks, isn't it? Like Stanley Johnson. Um, like those are all top 10 picks. Even Harry Giles. Harry Giles. Jesus, that's a lot going on. So pretty insane stuff. But look, what are you going to do? It's just always a bit of a churn in the NBA. And with this salary cap, the way it's set up, you are stuck if you're paying overs, even a little bit for vets, rather than just paying young dudes to be your 13, 14, 15 man on the bench. Because if they sort of hit just a little bit, suddenly you've got another T-man or a Jordan Poole or something like that. So, look, it's a lot more rolling of the dice, and teams are wising up to that. Rather than having Chris Dunn on there, where you're like, well, we know what Chris Dunn is. We know what Jabari Parker is. We might bring him in halfway through the season when we need a bit of a kick in the pants and maybe a little bit of scoring or something. Maybe Tyrell Terry will, lip, you know, glom on somewhere, and off he goes. Avery Bradley, someone will go, oh, we need a defender, and think that he's the Avery Bradley from 2014 and not 2021. Gary Payton, the second, obviously, same sort of vibes. But anyway, hoping Dante jumps on there. We'll talk about that in a second. Because after we take a quick break, we'll be back with the Yeah Nas, the unpopular opinion of the day in the Outback Takehouse, and then we'll do our season preview finale. You little ripper. And it's going to come right after this. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. 
right, let's do it. Do some yanas. They are brought to you by thedailyliquor.com. That's right, thedailyliquor.com. If you're in Melbourne, look, the weather's getting nicer. Lockdown is lifting. You better stock up on all the booze. That's right, go to thedailyliquor.com, the online bottle They'll deliver the stuff to your door, and you'll get a free sixer of the Dos Blocos XPA if you're banging the code STRAYER when you check out and having spent 20 wing whams. So it's for the Melbourne metro area, same-day delivery if you order before noon, thedailyliquor.com. Get right around it. Get a free sixer on your mate Jimmy. How good is that for all of your uh, picnicking needs? Grab a couple of slabs, chuck them in the esky. Off you go. For thedailyliquor.com. Use the code STRAYER. Oh, right. Yeah, nah, there's a couple of these ones. Uh, Luke Fragona. Jimmy. Yeah, nah. Dante to Europe. Yeah, nah. Oh, yeah, if he wants to get paid... Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see where he lands because it'll show us what his priorities are. Because I feel like you can stay there in the States if you've got a really, really active agent who's throwing you at a bunch of different teams all the time, showing you working out, showing that you're staying healthy, uh, showing some of the highlights from a pretty handy preseason, I thought. Because if he goes to Europe... If he comes back to the NBL, you know, the fact that he owns an NBL team, part owns the Southeast Melbourne Magic Phoenix, and he just jumps on the blower, tells them to make him a jersey, I'll be around in 15 minutes. <laughs> We're suiting up, boys. Like, that'd be fun. But in terms of his long sort of term goals, I'm not convinced that Dante coming back to the NBL, as good as the NBL is, it's also still just that little bit of out of sight, out of mind. Not to be confused with like the fact that, look, Jock came back last year, crushed it for the Melbourne United uh, championship team. You saw Giddy obviously getting picked up and going number six in the draft. You do have dudes like Jay Sean Tate and uh, Joe Lucule Akul. Joe Lucule, there you go. You know, hitting it off with teams from the NBL. But at the same time, all of those dudes have essentially been non-established uh, NBA players beforehand, then gone back to the NBA, then gone back to the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're young talents who have shown that they can play at a specific level in the NBA have gone, ah, oh, well, maybe we could add that to our team and it'll get even better. Whereas with Dante, it's a similar sort of vibe because he's been injured so often and kind of maybe anybody, all anybody needs is actually a bit of proof that he can stay healthy and play. But while the NBL is going on, it might just be easier he might be that close to a roster spot that we don't know about that if he just stays, he'll land somewhere. Maybe playing in the G League just to show that he can sort of get out there, get some run and dominate if need be. That'd be kind of handy. But I really do think he showed enough during that Rockets preseason that someone will keep a tabs on him. And even if the Rockets, like they'll spend all this time trying to trade John Wall, DJ Augustine or whatever. If he stays ready, they could easily pick him up once they've got a roster spot. And this is what happens. Injuries happen. Uh, trades happen, roster spots open up. I don't know. I feel like there's enough talent there. There's obviously enough talent there. We saw it in Tokyo. We saw it in the preseason. Maybe the G League is a way to go. We've seen some other vets sort of pop down there just to prove that they've still got a game. You could pick them back up. But at the same time, not too many of them actually do it, <laughs> which is pretty wild. If you want to get paid, Europe, Asia, make your money, Dante, if you need to. I'd rather see him back in the NBA. And you will see teams, when they divest themselves of some of these veterans throughout the season, 
injuries happen, trades happen. Uh, you know, suddenly Cleveland have gotten rid of uh, Ricky Tiki Tata, Ricky Rupi. Oh, and they're like, oh, well, we could just bring Dante in for this stretch run. Bit of a handy backup point guard, and away we go behind the sex man and uh, Darius Judy Garland. So I don't think it's the last time we've seen him in the NBA. I think he'll land somewhere else this year. I don't think he'll go to Europe. I don't think he'll go to the NBL. I'll say that now, and of course, like the uh, it'll come out tomorrow. But look, this is all because of the backgrounding stuff that we just don't know about, right? Like how close is his agent to some of these teams? How hard are they working out? Are they right in everybody's face? And where could he land? Could there be other spots that he could land? Who knows? Like Golden State is sitting there go, well, we'll keep our 15th spot open. And they've cut like 87 players. Maybe Dante just goes, oh, well, I'm pretty big. I could fill in for Clay for a little bit. What do you reckon? Anyway, stuff like that. So don't despair. Brad McEgan, Jimmy, yeah, nah, Matty T for most improved. And he'll be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Yeah, nah, nah for the first one. Uh, yeah, for the second one. Most improved. Matty T's offense won't be good enough to get him in the conversation of uh, most improved. Because that's what happens. You get way more opportunity on the offensive end where everybody's sort of just gone, didn't he? Oh, I didn't expect that, man. Jeremy, Jeremiah Grant, where did that come from? Boom. And off you go. You're in the uh, most improved conversation. But Defensive Player of the Year, the stats back that up. Per 36, like, Matty T was crushing it in terms of steals and blocks and defensive impact every time it was on the floor last year. Like, even just in raw numbers, I think Jimmy Butler led the league in steals last year. Uh, Matty T's, like, raw numbers per 36 blew fucking Jimmy Butler out of the water. And Simo per 36. So if he plays a little bit more, especially if Simmons isn't around to kick off and Matty T's shoulder feels all right, maybe his offensive game ticks up even more and he starts nailing more of those threes more consistently, just finds a little bit of a groove for the Sixers. Maybe he gets into the most improved, but Defensive Player of the Year, if he's out there for more than 20 minutes a game, he'll be in the top five. Don't worry about that. And also one for Brad McEgan. Yeah, nah, Mop Top Mumba will be the highest scoring rookie in fantasy. Yeah, nah! Oh, I want to put Mop Top Mumba, Josh Giddy in the top one, two, three, but I think he will definitely be top three. I don't know if he'll be the highest scoring rookie in fantasy. Jalen Green will have a green light. <laughs> Kate Cunningham, same. Uh, but I think Gids, top three, because uh, some of the other rookies, I think Suggs will take a little while for his footing, and like there's a bit more of a guard rotation there in Orlando than people realize. Suggs will be good. He might not be good right away, though. Green will just be flying out of the blocks, I reckon. Same with Kate Cunningham uh, once he gets over his ankle. But Gids, look, in terms of uh, triple-double threats, he and Kate are right up there, too. So, But, yeah, I think... Green and Cade probably just nudge Giddy out a little bit for the rookie in fantasy, but anyway. And finally, let's uh, rehash last week's Does Ben Simmons play for the Sixers this season? Yeah, nah. One week later, Jimmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, nah. I still reckon it's the Harden situation, so yeah. I reckon he'll swallow his pride just that little bit. The teammates will say all the nicest things in the world. He'll play for like a month or two, and then he'll get traded. Because someone will start shit, they'll panic, and they'll throw a bunch of stuff the Sixers way, whether it be Indy, whether it be Portland, whether it be Washington, Sacramento, who knows? But some team will struggle out of the gates. Daryl Moore will be rubbing his fucking hands together. And Ben Simmons, if he's out there, will be like, all right, that's where I'm going. Sweet. And away you go. All right, unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me.
All right, this is the last thing I want to say on the Kyrie thing. KD and Harden should call out Kyrie being for being a selfish fuckwit, right? Right? Everybody's out there going, nah, man, like, he's your teammate. Like, he's your brother. What? If your brother is taking up fucking a third of the entire salary cap for your team and hamstringing your team's chance at a title, a team that you went to because of him and your brother is refusing to be part of your fucking team, what? Of course you should fucking call him out and call him a dickhead. Oh, nah, man, that's my brother. If one of my brothers was doing some dumb shit, I'd be like, Oi! What are you doing, you idiot? Pull your head in! 100% of the time. Even if they are all bigger than me. I'm six foot. How am I the smallest one out of the four of us? Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to hear motherfuckers out there like, Hey, man. Hey, team is everything. Like, we're a brotherhood. Well, it doesn't fucking seem like it. If Kyrie's just off doing his own thing, team's very clearly not everything. Me is everything if you're Kyrie. Like, it seems like not pissing off Kyrie is everything to you fucking cowards. Because you know what brothers do? They tell their other brothers who are being fuckwits to stop being fuckwits and pull their fucking heads in. It's not rocket surgery. Kyrie's being a cockwit. Kevin and James could go, Kai... Can you fucking quit it or just retire? I'm fucking sick of this shit, you idiot. Boom. All right, finally, let's do a bit of Outback Take Oh, Wait, that wasn't Outback Take <laughs> It's Monday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah. Jimmy's just going to grab a fucking cricket bat, walk out in the backyard, and as soon as he hears a... Bang! Flame-grilled kookaburra wings. Only at Outback. That's right, today's flame-grilled special, kookaburra wings. Goes great with this flame-grilled take. The Houston Rockets very clearly waived Dante Exum because he'd derail their tanking plans for this year by making them too fucking good. Only at our back. All right, look, spot the lie, folks. (laughs) Spot the lie. I will keep DJ Augustine and we'll keep John Wall... That's $51 million of our entire salary and two giant spuds who can't play as well as this guy, so we better cut that guy. Fuck it out. Anyway, all right, let's go do the uh, amazing NBA Australia over-under win totals for every single team. And our award picks right after this one. This is Chris Anstey, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, remember, support for NBA Australia is brought to you now by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world, as Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. There you go. Nice one, Jimmy. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Australia and New Zealand. You heard that right, the 4.0. So join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code STRAYER at manscaped.com. Seriously, it's amazing. The lawnmower is unreal. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I was blown away by the performance. I'll tell you what, the details and the craftsmanship of the 4.0, it's awesome to use. It's got a light. It's sleek. It's well-designed. It's optimized. Makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'll tell you what. 
I mentioned this on last week's show. There's been a few times where you're taking care of business and Nick, the ginger palace, is getting a bit more scarlet. Then you got to explain it to old mate. Nah, jeez. Makes no, no good time, I'll tell you that much. Anyway, it's got a light. It's amazing to use the lawnmower. I love it. It's an upgraded trimmer with a multifunction on and off switch. It's got the LED spotlight. It's great to use. You've even got guard lengths with sizes one through four, and it charges wirelessly. Look, fellas, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, what have you been doing? You've been doing it wrong. No one wants pubes in their mouth. Do it right! And go to manscaped.com. It's time to get your own ball hair and body hair trim with Manscaped to make me time the best time. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code STRAYER at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Old mate will thank you. Everyone will thank you. Anyone who gets near your junk will thank you. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code STRAYER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code STRAYER. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Oh, can you believe it? We're here. It's the last bit of the NBA Australia season preview. Well, we'll actually have a little bit more on the uh, on the Wednesday show when we break all of the contenders into their final tiers. But, I mean, you're basically seeing this writ large right now <laughs> in the win-loss over-unders. Uh, so, we'll just start from the bottom, work our way to the top in each conference. Um, we'll start with the east because I just always like going east to west. It's just how it goes, you know. Detroit, the over-under, 24.5. I'm going under in a heartbeat with that. I think they win 20 wins. They've got 20 wins here, max. Uh, so that's a fucking lock for me to go, right, definitely going to be, be under. In terms of their roster, the roster construction, they'll be frisky. Cade, already dealing with the ankle. Jeremy, Jeremiah, Grant. There's just not enough talent on this team to go. Look, they're fun. Don't get me wrong. Detroit are fun. But this is the team that will be like winning 20, 22, 23 games max just kind of like by mistake because they try because they're young. We saw it last year. Like they came on pretty hardcore. Killian Hayes was shredding it. And Big Deke Bay, Beef Stew, Cade adding to that. It's going to be fun. But just in terms of the top-end talent, they just don't quite have it there to get much. Definitely not over the 24 and a half. So that's an under for me. I've got them at 20. Orlando, similar vibes. With the moving along of Vooch and Aaron Gordon and Kother and Fournier, I mean, the rebuild is on. But the problem is they've kind of been half rebuilding for the last half decade plus. Anyway, it's just that Johnny Isaac always keeps getting hurt and none of their other picks work out. <laughs> oh, where's Mario Zonia when you need him? Uh, but they're 21 and a half. I'm going over there because I think they go 24 wins. And that's still very low, the amount of wins, right? So that's where I'm at with Orlando. I don't like it, but that's just how it's going to go. I'm just saying. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, so I think we've got a fair amount now of... Oh, wait, let's go on a little bit too high. What are we doing here? We're going to go 30. There you go. And... So Orlando at 24, the next team I've got, I hate to break it to you, but it's going to be the Raptors. No, the Cavs. 
Fucking up. Yeah, here we go. Cavs, 25. I'm going under as well. They're over-unders, 27 and a half. I tend to think the Cavs will be good. But, again, you saw it in the second half of last year where they go out, they kick some ass, they take some names, they'll move Kevin Love at some point, hopefully this year, or buy him out. This is actually the same sort of winning percentage that they had last year. Actually, the same with Detroit, which is a bit of a worry. Um, but here we are. I think the Cavs have got like some real sort of punchy uh, chances all the way through the season with that awesomely weird backcourt. But they are just going to give up way too much on defense to really stick with teams, especially early on. And as you'll see, the East is just really, really, really raucous this year. It's super deep. Like The fact that the Cavs are all the way down here in 13, where I think they're actually a pretty good team is pretty much testament to that. And when I'm sort of, you know, passing out wins and losses here, and the fact that, like, the over-under was 27 and a half, I mean, it sort of goes to show, like, they're not bad. They could easily win up to 30 games. So I'm going 25, but their range of 27 and a half, there's like a two and a half win bumper there that I just don't like. And it's going to be tough game in, game out for a team like that with Larry marketing. Go the throw, Allen. Mobley could be a difference maker. You never know, but he's also very skinny and very young. You got the Sex Land backcourt. You got Ricky Tiki Tata, Rupio, Chetty the Disappointment, Osman. No more Larry Nance, but I think it's just going to be a really choppy year again for the Cavs. And they're going to show flashes, but ultimately they won't be that much better than they were last year. The Raptors and the Wizards. I have them both tied here at, uh, what's that, 11 and 12. Because. The Raptors thing kills me. Like, Fred Van Vliet, Siakam's injured for the first month or two. No one's entirely sure what's going on with Siakam's injury. Freddie Van Vliet, you've got the OG Ananobi. You've got Big Dick Kem Birch. You've got Chris Bobby Boucher. You've got Scotty Barnes. I just don't like... Look, Nick Nurse is that good that they should win about 40 games anyway. And I've just gone under because I feel like they get one more injury... And it could be pretty similar to last year, right? Where it's just absolute crater town. And like if Fred Van Vliet just goes on an extended cold streak again, fuck, man. They're over under 36 and a half. I'm going under. I think they land about 30. And that's also where I've got the Wizards, who's over under is 34 and a half. So it's actually less than the Raps. The Wiz, similar vibes, right? Like I sort of broke it down in the uh, NBA Australia season preview article that we had on Friday. There's just so many new moving parts for the Wizards this year that 34 and a half wins. I've got them in 30. They've got a new coach. They've got a new point guard. Brad Beal, if he realizes this is just a fucking mugs game, what am I doing? A fool's errand to stick with Washington that he could just ask out and just like, right, fuck it, I want to go play for Philly. And uh, boom, you've got your Ben Simmons trade. But they've also got a bunch of young dudes. Rui Hachimura, who's a gun. I love him. Denny Avdija should be back this year. Thomas Knott, Kobe Bryant should be back this year. Daniel Gafford, I love him. He should be out there crushing it. Davis Bertan, hello, stupid damage beard. Um, there's just a lot. And obviously, Corey Kispert. Just new dudes everywhere, young dudes everywhere. I just don't like the makeup of the team with a new coach. 30 and 52, that's where I've got the Wiz going under the 34 and a half. Indy. At 42 and a half, I'm going under there with the 38. I've got them as my 10th spot. Uh, so just making the play-in game. There's just too much talent on this team, but also talent that seems to always get injured. 
El Presidente Malcolm Brogdon, my sweet baby, Carrots Levert. TJ Warren, no one knows when he's going to be back anyway. I do like Rick Carlisle coaching this team. If anyone can sort of make it work, I feel like he should to, should be able to. I just don't really trust this roster to stay healthy enough for it to reach its really pretty high potential. So I'm actually building in, I think, a bunch of injuries into this win total for Indy at 38. So their over-under is 42.5. I've gone under by a pretty substantial amount, 4.5 wins. And I feel like I've tacked them onto the team above them. Charlotte, who are at 44 and 38. Their over-under was 37.5. So I've absolutely smashed that out of the park, which is kind of ironic because I think a lot of this hinges on Gordon Haywood staying healthy. Because <laughs> if he... Look, we saw it last year when he was out. Lamelo Ball fell off a fucking cliff. Everyone thinks that Lamelo Ball's the second coming of like... I don't know, Penny Hardaway. Cool. Let's see it happen. If you miss a bit of Gordy this year, then he's got to step up. But I do think moving on Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and you've got James Booknight from the draft, it just clears out the rotation just that little bit more, which I really, really like for a team like Charlotte. Last year, it seemed there were so many dudes that none of them would ever fire at the same time. And it was actually a problem. Whereas... If you clean out that rotation just that little bit where you've got Lamello, you've got Terry Rose, you've got Gordy Hayward, you've got Miles Bridges, PJ Hamilton, Washington. There's just enough talent there to sort of just hopefully have a bit more of an egalitarian approach, maybe. Of course, I'm saying that on a team with Lamello Ball and Terry Rose. Who knows what's going to happen there? But Miles Plumley, Mason Plumley, rather, is a good pickup. Uh, just, you know, he's better than a Zeller. <laughs> Plumley's greater than Zellers. Checks out. Uh, but Charlotte, I just kind of believe in them. I think Borrego's a good coach, and I think they take a pretty big step this year if Gordy stays healthy. I'm kind of banging on him staying pretty healthy. They were good last year when he was healthy, and Lamelo found himself. So 44-38 for Charlotte. The Knicks! I've got them at 8. 46-36. Their over-under is 41.5, so I've gone way over on this one. So I've gone a lot under on... Uh, Indy, the Wiz, the Raptors, and sort of transfer this because I really like Charlotte, the Knicks, and uh, Miami. Essentially, well, not Miami. I'll get to Chicago in a second. So the Knicks, 46, I've got them at. 46 wins, 36 losses, 41 and a half is the over-under, so I've gone over. I just think the entire thing is with DeRozan, Lonzo, Caruso, Levine, Vooch, and Co., the floor is just that much higher that you have professional basketball players on this team who are good at playing basketball, that's going to win a fair amount of games this year, get you over 500, and I think they'll push to you know pretty higher heights than that. So I'm kind of there for that. But the Knicks, meanwhile, talk about like teams that are just professionals now too. I love Julius, Julius Randall. You maybe get the other Mitch Robinson back. Who knows what's going to happen, but I've got them 46-36 over 41.5. I think Tibbs... It's really year two. I don't think he really wears on them this year. RJ Barrett could take a step up. You've got Fournier. You've got Kemba. You've just got a couple of extra weapons. Talk about base levels like I do with Chicago. The same thing goes for the Knicks, even if the top-level talent isn't quite the same. I just think it's really solid. So I've got them at 46 and 36. Miami are at seven. I've got them 48, 34. Same as Chicago, just above. Uh, Miami's over-under was 48 and a half. I just think Miami take it a little bit easy. They're going to limit maybe Big Boudicca Lowry's minutes a little bit. Butler, Bam, Duncan Robinson. It's going to be interesting to see how it all fits together, how it meshes. Spolster's obviously a really good coach. 48 wins is a lot 
So that's where I'm happy with them. The fact that they're 48 and a half with the over-under, I think they just slide under just because maybe they deal with like, you know, one Kyle Lowry hammy and it sort of just knocks a couple of wins out of them. Jimmy Butler, obviously, who knows what is going to be happening for him and he's, you know, He's like one of those dudes where you turn it, you sort of turn around and go, oh, yeah, he is actually sneaky a little bit old. It's a bit weird. Who knew? And then you think about all the uh, all the years on him. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's over 32. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. But either way, Miami, look, 48 and 34, Chicago, same vibes from what I just said. Uh, their floor is high. Same with Chicago. Miami, Chicago, both with, with high floors. And the East... That'd be good enough, I think, for those three teams. 48, 48, 46 for Chicago, Miami, and the Knicks. And the over-under for Chicago is 43.5. Give me the over. Atlanta, their 47.5 win over-under is just way too low. I thought 52, I've got them at winning. I think they, now with like a actual, you know, fit and healthy DeAndre Hanna, even without a Kongwu, they'll scrape by. They'll be good. Trey will take it up a notch. They'll be one of the class teams, I reckon, this year, and they'll jump up a little bit. Uh, compared to last year, I just think 52 wins, off they go. That's a pretty big over, too. Philly, their over-under is 51.5. I've got them still winning 53. That's kind of like Ben Simmons' pursuit, obviously. So it's kind of like grain of salt for everything when it comes to Philly. And then I've got Boston ahead of them with 54 wins, which is massively over. The over-under for them is 45.5. Again, talk about clearing out the rotation. <laughs> There is no doubt now that this is Tatum and Brown's team. You've got Schroeder coming off the bench. You've got Marcus Smart. Even he's out there being, doing dumb shit and getting suspended for, by the team. Who knows what he's up to. But I just think this Boston team has a lot of talent on it. And you've now got the clear leaders in Brown and Tatum with Smart out there. Al Horford comes back to give them a level-headed sort of dude. And sure, they don't have Fournier. Sure, they don't have Walker. But at the same time, what were they giving you defensively? Not much. And I think the value in just going, Brown, Tatum, this is your team. Go hammer and tongs, mates. Will be way more valuable. I think they're just going to be really good. Emu Yudoka, 54 wins. Give it to me, Boston. Brooklyn at 58. I think Harden and KD. Fuck Kyrie. Boom, they'll do that anyway. 56 and a half was their over-under. They go over. And Milwaukee, also at 58. They're at 55 and a half. I think they're going to be a fucking death machine this year, Milwaukee. They've won it. This is a bunch of dudes who, if they've won it, they're not going to fucking take a, like a step back. They're not going to go, oh, well, that was good. I think we've done a great job. Now we can chill out and not worry about it again. Giannis is not at all wide like that, so 55 and a half seems like a smack in the face. I reckon Milwaukee could easily win 60, but that's it, right? So... The East is just super solid from top to bottom. So in my predictions, I've got 58 wins for Milwaukee and Brooklyn, 54 and 53 for Boston and Philly, 52 for Atlanta. That's nuts, down to the five seed. And then 6, 7, 8, Chicago, Miami at 48 wins, Knicks 46, Charlotte at 44, and Indy just scraping into 38. Now, one of those, one or two of those teams will probably end up dealing with injuries, and you'll see the Wizards or Raptors jump up a little bit. But for now... All things being vaguely equal, uh, that's where we're sort of sitting. The Wizards and Raptors, 30s. I just can't see it with both those teams this year. Raptors will make me look like an idiot and win 50 games, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> Cavs as well. I don't really like that one, but there's one team where their defense is just so bad, and I just don't quite get it. So I think they're about the same 
spot they are in last year. Maybe Okoro step, takes it a step forward defensively for them, but still with Garland and Sexman there. It's a bit tough. Orlando and Detroit stink. So there you go. Big, 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 big over-unders. So Detroit, 20. The over-under was 24.5. 21.5 was the over-under for Orlando. I've gone 24. That's the over. 27.5 for the Cavs. I've gone under at 25. 36.5 for the Raptors. I've gone under with 30. Wizards, 30. Their over-under is 34.5. I've gone under. Indy. 38 wins. Their over-under is 42.5. That's obviously an under. Charlotte have gone over with the 44.5 versus the 37.5. No, 44 versus the 37.5. Boom, there you go. Knicks, 46. That's over their 41.5. Miami, 48. That's under the 48.5. Chicago, 48. That's over the 43.5 as well. And Atlanta, 47.5. Gone over with the 52. Philly, 53 wins over the un. Over under 51.5. So Brooklyn, 56.5. We've gone over. Milwaukee over as well. So it's a lot of overs. Let's uh, move on to the West right after we take a little bit of a break. I'll tell you what, it's a little bit weaker this year. It's a bit crazy, but here we are. Righto. Right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do the West. Houston going under, 100% under. I hit this as quickly as I could, 25.5 under. I've got them at 16. OKC, I've gone a little bit over. They were 22.5. I've got them at 24 <laughs> because Gids, what's up? So that's an over there. I've got the Spurs at 30 wins. The over-under was 29.5, so I've gone over. I just think they have the year from hell, the Spurs. They just don't have that many good players. Like, it's weird. I love Jock. I love DeJunte Murray. Kelton Johnson's going to be a breakout, but jeez. There's not a giant amount on that Spurs team. So just a half game over, I've gone there. Pelicans, also a disappointment for me this year. We don't know when Zion's going to play. He's a fucking negative anyway on defense as it stands. Who knows how that's going to go, but their over-under is 38.5. I've got them at 34 wins and another disappointing year in New Orleans. Sacramento, 35.5. I'm going just under with 35 wins. They're... Just one of the head-scratching teams this year. We had them in the what-the-fuck team list last week. Who knows what to make of that team? I've uh, just gone a half game under. Timberwolves, their over-under is 33.5. I think they're a little bit better than that. 36, I think, if Cat's healthy. They've got just enough now with Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, and Cat to surprise some teams. And 36, look, this is a testament to both, uh, both conferences being really, really, really tough this year. That The T-Wolves are just... They could be a little bit better than they are, but it's just such a fucking tough competition now that 36 is where I've got them. Uh, the Clippers, they were 45 and a half of the over-under. I've gone under 38. I just, outside of Paul George, the rest of that team is just Reggie Jackson. Eric Bledsoe? Cool. Best of luck, Clips. So that's a big under for me. 45 and a half. I've got them at 38. Denver, I've got them at 38 as well. Their over-under is 47 and a half. Look, Aaron Gordon... Big Nikola Jokic, hello. But really, we're going to run out some Monty Morris for Kumba Kabatso. MPJ is obviously the big sort of question mark here. But I think just 
it's so tough in the West to stay above water. So I've got them at 38. I wouldn't be that surprised if there's maybe they get to like 500 for the season just because Jokic is just so good and MPJ takes a big step up. But I can't see them going too much beyond that because the next, so they've gone under 47 and a half, obviously, with 38. Portland, I've got next at seven with 43 wins. That's just under their 44 and a half because similar vibes to Denver. Like, what's their top end, top end expectation? Really? Dame and CJ, can they get to 50 wins? Ah, oh, it'd be a bit tough, but just that's it. Like all the teams in the West, it's just another bloodbath. Because Memphis, I've got them at 44. Uh, their over-under was 41.5. I think Memphis are just that little bit better this year with Jar being better. Big Steven Adams out there, you know, unleashing Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think Memphis, look, this is only just a tiny step up from what they did last year and we're at 44 wins. And I just think they've got like a feistier, scrappier team than last year. Steven Adams, Dylan Brooks, once he comes back from his broken hand, I think they'll be good. Golden State, I've got fifth. 46 wins, that's just under the 47.5, which I thought was wildly high, considering it's going to be a lot of Steph and uh, not much Clay for a while here. But I think once they sort of get Clay back and round him in the shape, the second half of the year will be really good for Golden State, and they'll get to 46. Uh, but there we go, that still falls under. 50 wins for Dallas, that's uh, over there, 48.5 over under. I feel good about that. I think it's Luca and the Lukets' time to shine. So 50 wins for Dallas. I mean, if you're going to take this step up from by Luca to what I'm about to predict uh, for him winning MVP, you got to win 50 games, don't you? So that's where I'm at. That's where I've landed. 50 games for Dallas. That's over there, 48 and a half. Phoenix at 54. I've got them third. Their over-under is 50.5. I think they win 54. I think there are going to be... There were signs of this last year, right? Like, they were a year too early. I talked about this last week. And I think they're a lot more settled this year. They know who they are, and I reckon they'll be a fucking buzzsaw. So 54 wins over the 50 and a half. Lakers at 56. I've actually gone over. The over-under was 53 and a half. And same with Utah. I've got them at 58. I've gone hardcore over for those teams as well. So the top three I've gone... Well, top four I've gone over. Golden State's the only one I've gone under there. Memphis over. Uh, Portland just under. Denver, well under. Clippers, well under. There's just... You can't survive in the West without one of your two superstars on your team, right? And that's where Denver and the Clippers are going to fall off. And where I could see them actually being overtaken by the T-Wolves or Sacramento or if the Pelicans get Zion back and actually start clicking, I wouldn't be that surprised if Denver or the Clippers sort of really, really struggle to keep... uh, Latching on to wins. Then I've got the Spurs at 30, OKC in 24, and Houston at 16, rounding it all out. It's pretty gnarly. It's a lot of over-unders. And I do feel like that's the East. The East sort of having Orlando and Detroit, maybe the Cavs, maybe the Wiz. But then a lot of the rest of their teams are really tough. Like on a night-in-night-out basis, if you've got to go through Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Philly, Atlanta, Chicago... Miami, the Knicks, Charlotte, Indy. Like, there's no gimmies there in, like, the top 10 teams. And then even then, you've got the Wizards, the Raptors, and the Cavs. I don't think they're going to be pushovers this year. And even Orlando, even Detroit, they're going to be young teams that are going to try. So I kind of like the East a little bit better than the West this year just because the Pelicans smell bad to me. The Spurs, too. OKC will be fun and weird, but they're not going to win too many games. Same with Houston. Who knows what could happen with the T-Wolves. Denver and the Clippers dealing with injuries. Portland, you've got the Dame question. Memphis might not be ready. Golden State, who knows what's going to happen there. Everything rides on Steph. So there's a lot more question marks, I think, in the West this year. So without 
any further ado, Reggie fucking Ledoux. Anyway, Jimmy, you ready? Who's going to win all the important awards this year? That's right, the NBA Strayer Awards. Most disappointing player for 2021-2022, Zion Williamson. I think this might be the year where we just go, no shit, the dude's 300 pounds and he keeps fucking hurting himself. Like, what do you reckon was going to happen? Larry, that's a girl's name, marketing coming in number two. DeMar DeRozan there at three. Chicago fans going, oh, I can't fucking wait. Have you watched DeRozan? Have you watched him in the last three years? Marvy Bags. Talking about players who haven't got the extension. He's got to be sitting going, fuck, mate, really? And then fifth, I've got Siakam and the Raptors just kind of as a uh, overall construction. I'm just worried about Siakam this year. Coming in, interrupted training camp. We saw him sort of just up and down all last year. I just don't know what to expect. So he's going to be one of my most disappointing players. Most disappointing teams. I've got the Wizard at, Wizards at five. Blazers potentially at four because you never know what's going to happen there. If they lose CJ or Dame for an extended period of time, like they have in the last couple of years, it just gets real bad real quick. The Kings are at three because they always are. Number two, the Spurs. Oh, jeez. And the Raptors are number one. I just... I shouldn't be arguing against the infrastructure in Toronto. They actually get to go home and play at home this year. Maybe last year was just a weird aberration because they were playing in fucking Tampa Bay all year. I just don't know if I like that roster. Most likely to start a punch on this year, number five, Tyler Hero. Number four, Austin Rivers, the most punchable man in the NBA. James Johnson, old blood sport. He's going to be out there defending the honor of James Harden. Oh, jeez. Joel Embiid, number two, Draymond, number one. He's already kicked the dude in the dick this uh, offseason. Well, this preseason, he booted Austin Rivers in the nuts, ironically. And the bloke you most want to get a beer with, all right, number five, Jock Landale. Number four, Jingles. Number three, Paddy. Number two, Josh Giddy. Yeah, how's it all going, Josh? Number one, Ben Simmons. Just to sit down and go, what the fuck is going on in your head, mate? Let's just talk it out, Simo. We've got a slab. We're going to sit here and figure it out. But anyway, the actual awards, MVP, Jimmy's pick for MVP. Number five, Dame Lillard. I think we've seen Dame make little runs at it in years past. And if Portland are good and exceed expectations again, and he actually sort of has a healthy team around him all year and they end up at the top three seed, all because of Dame, you could see it happen. Number four, I've got LeBron. Never discount the LeBron narrative. Never. He could fire up his fucking ball-sucking goddamn media machine all of them just fucking suckling at the ball teat of LeBron. So many of them. ESPN. And they could fire that up and go, well, LeBron deserves it because you know he's he doesn't have as many as he should. <laughs> and he's leading the Lakers to heaps of wins. It could happen. 3KD, similar vibes. I think from last season, if KD doesn't get hurt, he'd be right there. Same with Embiid. Embiid misses my cut here because... I think there's just going to be so much weird shit going on with the Sixers. If Simmons plays, if Simmons doesn't play, if Simo doesn't play and we realize that he wasn't that important to the Sixers' uh, cause and Embiid crushes it like he did last year, then Embiid should win it in a canter. But the problem is you then have to like you know assume that Embiid's going to stay healthy the entire time and I'm not going to waste money on that. So number two, I've got after KD, I think KD could easily, easily, easily win this. 
Because again, narrative. He's only ever won one. He's probably one of the 10 best players ever. And if he wins another title this year, Jesus. Uh, and he's carrying a team of old guys and James Harden. So that's going to be fascinating. But Steph, similar vibes. If he goes again last year and Clay comes back and they have a modicum of success, Steph's name will be right there. But I think Luca wins the MVP this year. I think talking about teams uh, who have fellow superstars, his is the only one that doesn't really threaten to overshadow him at some point, right? Or sort of take away some of the credit. Because if the extreme Zingamil like really clicks and starts playing well, it's probably just going to be in a complimentary fashion to helping Luca even excel more. You know what I'm saying? Similar vibes for Steph and Clay. But then Steph's also got Andrew Wiggins. He's got Draymond. He's got Steve Kerr. And people are going to be like, oh, it's a cute story. Uh, KD, he's got Harden. LeBron's got AD and Rusty. Dame's got CJ. Maybe that's why I've got them sort of... All, you can see all the cases for those top five. You know what I'm saying? Rookie of the year, number five, I've got Cam Thomas. Yeah, I reckon uh, if he gets enough run there in Brooklyn, maybe. Scotty Barnes, number four out there in Toronto. Sure. Gids at number three. That's right, the mop top mamba. Uh, just behind Kay Cunningham and number one, Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green romps this one home. Uh, just the green light, you know, no pun intended. He's going to be shooting it early. He'll be shooting it often. And I think he's a special talent. So watch that. Whereas Cade Cunningham's going to do a lot that makes Detroit better. But Jalen Green will look like a uh, better player, even if he not, might not be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's also, look, I think Suggs, Mobley, etc. Look, Suggs, I think, will slow, start off slow. Mobley as well as he feel, fills out. And just as a smoky, rock him, sock him, block him, jock him, land out. Why not? Nah, I don't know if he can win it. But I'll tell you what, Gids, he could very much have a uh, pretty clear shot at it this year. If OKC overachieve, and he as a 19-year-old keeps showing those flashes we saw in preseason. Watch out. Defensive player of the year, Draymond at five, Bam at four, Rudy at three, Ben Simmons if he plays at number two. AD, I think, wins it this year. I think the Lakers, if they all stay healthy, he and Rusty will be very, very handy. And you'll see AD anchor a defense that is uh, very stingy and the Lakers sort of build around that all season. Sixth man of the year, Jordan Poole at number five. Jingles at four. Patty Thrills at three. Jordan Clarkson at number two. And there goes my hero. Tyler Hero at number one. I think he's your sixth man of the year. I think he'll get a lot of publicity about it. Uh, I think Miami will be good and he'll fill it up off the bench and... I think it will basically become a narrative battle between Jordan Clarkson and Tyler Hero. And if Hero actually bumps up his scoring and his shooting from last year, he'll be uh, he'll be laughing. But he and Clarkson, I think, are the uh, easy ones. Paddy Thrills, depending on how his shooting goes this year, he could be right there in the way Steve Nash uses him too. Coach of the year, I mean, Vogue's at number five, Tibbs at four, Steve Nash three, Monty Williams again at number two, Mike Malone at one. Um, Malone, just the case is there if the Nugs are half decent. It'll be easy to vote for him because it's like, oh, he doesn't even have Jam and Jamal Murray, bro. And Monty, everyone loved him last year. If Phoenix are a top three seed again, who knows? Same with Vogue. Steve Nash, same with Brooklyn. He's got to deal with He's got to deal with Kyrie, man. And they've won 60 games. That's awesome. Tibbs, if New York overachieve again, boom, off he goes. And coming last, probably Jason Kidd. Most improved, Jordan Poole at six. KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr. at five. DeJunte Murray. A long mainstay on my most improved player lists. 
It's going to happen one day. Keldon Johnson at three. Keldon Johnson after his Olympic uh, experience. And there's not much else really going on in that Spurs roster. So off he goes. Darius Rucker, Judy Garland at number two, the most improved player. Trust Steph when he says, fuck, man, that dude's good. But Michael Porter Jr. should run run away with this one, right? I mean, we saw dudes given more of a chance tend to win this one. We saw it last year. Like the narrative became, became Christian Wood, Jeremy, Jeremiah Grant, Julius Randle, and then boom, MPJ. Once he got cooking, off he goes. I reckon he wins it this year. And there you go. I feel pretty good about those. Luca for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Jalen Green, Defensive Player of the Year, AD, Six Man, Hero or Clarkson, Coach of the Year. Look, Steve Nash, at a guess, would be mine if they win 60. He had to deal with uh, Kyrie. Most Improved Player, MPJ. Scoring, t- I mean, I mentioned all these ones last week. Scoring title will go to Brad Beal. Assist title will go to Harden. Cat is going to win the rebounds. Blocks go to Miles Turner. Steals to Junze. And uh, there we go. Should be fun. Cannot wait. But who wins it all, Jimmy, after all this? Who wins it? My tip to win the 2021-2022 NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and Los Angeles Lakers will be the Milwaukee Bucks in six. What? Unbelievable. Yeah, I think they go back to back. I think they're an absolute fucking buzzsaw this year. I think Giannis has got it all figured out, and I don't think there's anyone who can slow him down. See how we go. All right, we're back in one more one more little segment. We'll do the uh, season tip-off opener previews. You little bloody ripper. Right after this one. Hi, this is Ryan Brocker, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do it. And the NBA season is here. That's right. The season previews and picks are brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Until November 15, you can get around at DraftKings Australia and get in the action as well and take on the competition in some daily fantasy. If you think you've got what it takes, then boom, you can take home thousands in prizes and entry as cheap as. Look, if you're new to daily fantasy, it's super easy. Here's how it goes. You create your new DraftKings account. You make your first-time deposit. You join a contest. You pick your players. Boom. Stay within the salary cap like it's Supercoach. Sit back, watch the players, claim the leaderboard for your shot at massive prizes. All you got to do is go to dkng.co slash strayer. That's dkng.co slash strayer. We'll have all the links available on our socials and the website. So go check it out. Basically, get around Daily Fantasy while you still can with DraftKings Australia right now. I'll be doing it. Take on me. See if you're smarter than your mate, Jimmy. Right. Last year. All the picks all up. We went 645 of 1,142. In the playoffs, we went 51 of 84. That's a huge, huge win total. I love that. So, your mate Jimmy, season tip-off openers. Who do you like in daily fantasy across Brooklyn at Milwaukee, Warriors, Lakers? Absolutely love KD and, uh, KD and Durant and Giannis. You can actually sort of figure out a pretty good team where you've actually got those dudes for uh, the th- Wednesday game. So, But either way, Milwaukee, I've got to tip those guys minus one and a half. Brooklyn on the road, go into the reigning champions and uh, try to take it away from them in the first game of the season. I can't see it happening. I think Giannis will once again rise to the occasion. 
I just don't think he starts off slow. I think he jumps out of the blocks, and I think Milwaukee do as well, and really put the hurt on the rest of the league. So give me the Bucks in game one, minus one and a half. Game one of the season. It's back here. And then we've got Lakers hosting the Warriors. I'm going to go the Lakers minus four and a half. I just think there's too many holes in the Warriors team right now. Once Clay comes back, whether it be December, January, whatever, I think it'll be a different story. But right now, the Lakers lost all their games in the preseason. I don't give a fuck about that. I think it's Rusty, it's AD, it's LeBron against Steph Draymond. <laughs> like Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Moody, Moody. Good job, Kendrick Perkins. But it's basically Steph and a bunch of dudes with like Jordan Poole, Draymond, and you're like, oh, I just don't know. So I can't tip against the Lakers. So give me the Lakers minus four and a half. And. Do you want to do some Jimmy Best Bets for the season? We might go into a couple more of these on Wednesday's show as well, while they've still got good odds. But for right now, the MVP, Luca, that's my pick. Five, $5.50 to one right now for MVP. I'm jumping all over that. And my other best value one is LeBron at 15 to one. Like, that's massive. Because you know that if he's half decent all year, and then the Lakers put together a really good second half, which is probably what they'll be resting him for. He could run away with this in a canter. Rookie of the year, Jalen Green. That's an easy one. Um, I don't know what the odds were there for that one, but go search him out. <laughs> Good one, Jimmy. Nailed it. Let's have a look right now while, I've, uh, while I'm thinking about it and I've got it open. So in terms of player awards, rookie of the year, we're going to have rookie, 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 Jalen Green, $3.10 to 1. Good job. Kate Cunningham's 4 to 1. And Gids is 12 to 1. So jump over those three. Uh, scoring title, obviously, Brad Bill, $3.20 to 1. Six man of the year, Patty's at 14 to 1. That's not not a bad look. Tyler, there goes my hero, 11 to 1. And Jordan Clarkson, I believe, is 650 to 1. Yeah, I don't like that. I like Tyler Hero at 11 to 1. Most improved player of the year, MPJ's at 10 to 1. I love that. And. Who are my other really good best bets? Darius Rucker, Judy Garland at 31 to 1. Keldon Johnson at 36 to 1. And here's a sneak on for you. Precious Achua, 81 to 1. He's only going to beat out Chris Bobby Boucher and Big Dick Ken Birch up there in Toronto. I'm just saying. Uh, the over-under ones that I really like the most, Detroit and Houston, both under 25 and a half. And the overs, Utah at 55, uh, 53 and a half. I'm going over with that. And the New York City Knickerbockers, 41 and a half. I think they easily clear 500 this year. So there you go. Love it. All right. Holy shit. Is that it? We have done the damn thing. All right. We are back daily from Wednesday, though. Woo! New season, all the fun shit. Nothing better than opening day. One of the three best days in the NBA calendar. So we'll be here on Wednesday to wrap up the opening night games. That's right. Uh, we'll finish off the NBA Australia start of the season team tiers slash power rankings. You basically got most of it there, but we'll break it up into some fun tiers real quick. Uh, so in the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Facebook, IG. We'll have the second half of the NBA Australia preseason preview about the Aussies going up later today. Meanwhile, go check out Adam over on World Wrestling Australia because Adam's covering last week's episode of NXT with five Aussies getting matches. Four of them got wins. And the one who didn't, got beaten by another Aussie. I love it. So he's got all the other usual segments. You can go find World Wrestling Australia on YouTube or just follow at FWCIE on Twitter for links to the new episodes. Always fun, always great. Go check it out. Uh, smash NBAAustralia.com slash shop for some merch. Go to NFL Australia if you want to hear me and Gaz chatter on about NFL stuff. That's always fun. 
rate and review us on your podcast app, would you? Come on, I don't ask for too much. Just rate and review this, and we're laughing. Go to thedailyliquor.com, use the code STRAY, get a free six-pack on your mate, Jimmy. Manscaped, go to manscaped.com in Australia, use the code STRAYER, get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. How good is that? Go look after your junk. Uh, big thanks to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out the new band House Hats. They're running out of times out now. Big thanks also go to Joshua De La Renta's Fascinator, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Shredder, Green Green Green, and Dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J on Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you, especially at this time. And we're going to close out today's show with a brand new segment. It's a... Giddy Review! Woo! All right. We'll catch you on Wednesday, you dickheads, for opening night. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, G'day, yeah, look, hey, how's everyone going? Yeah, look, uh, I'm Josh Giddy. I'm uh, taking over from Delhi this year with uh, the NBA Australia Pop Culture Reviews, hey? Oh. Yeah, it's been a real honour to be asked to fill those huge Delhi ones too, but look, I'll give it a crack, you know, look, so, I don't know, just here in OKC, I just stoked. This is awesome. Okay, so... This week, I watched Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. And yeah, it was good. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. Had a couple of laughs, like he was a video game character. Like, I like the premise. And it made you think about what you spend your life doing. And I thought Taika Waiti was bloody just funny as. Can, can I say bloody? Oh yeah, alright. So look, um... 9 out of 10 for me. Give it a look if you like games like me or movies like like I do or Ryan Reynolds like I do. Uh, yeah, so is that how you do this? Is that all right? I think that might be it for this week. So, all right. Uh, okay, well, I guess then we'll talk next week when we have another Giddy review. Is that right? All right. Sick. Look after yourselves, remember. I love ya. Cheers. Kids.